Holly G with the Golf Insiders, my guest for this podcast episode is Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Hi, Bob. Hello, how are you? Well, probably like you, it was just darn exciting and fun to see live golf on Sunday. Yeah, actually, actually it was. I mean, that was the whole point, I think, to give us something else, right? To, to give us something to watch with, with, with uh, you know, named guys that we don't know the outcome. It's, it's not an old event. It's not a replay. It's something new. Uh, and also, it was, a, it was a neat chance to get to see Seminole, which is rarely, get, rarely done. And, you know, they raised a lot of money for the COVID-19 efforts, which was great, too. So... You know, I know we could nitpick some things, and not everything was perfect, but um, hey, you know, I think all in all, you have to give them a lot of credit for for, for uh, going forward and putting that on. I thought, it, I thought it came off pretty well. I agree with you completely. You know, forget the analysis paralysis and the, you know, critical commentary. You know, this was for charity. It was for golf fans. It was entertainment. And, you know, like you said, raised a lot of money, and that's what mattered most. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, look, we have to get used to some things going forward. They're, they're, they're as you've seen with, with all sorts of um, TV with, where, where people are on rem- at, at remote locations, there's sometimes going to be a delay. That is the nature of, of how it works. And so there's going to be some glitches. I mean, the announcers, they came on and were transparent. I mean, Mike Trico was was at his home, and and they had Azinger and Gary, Paul Azinger and Gary Koch in a studio in St. Augustine. They weren't on site. Right. You know, they had, then they had two on-course reporters, Steve Sands and um, Jerry Fultz, and they did fine. I mean, but, you know, yeah, you're going to miss some things, or there's going to be some, you know, little quirky technical issues. So what? You know, we're getting speed again. It's better than the alternative. And, you know, yeah, the golf was a little spotty at times. And I think it's hard to televise this for players. You know, golf is, you know, we're, many, we're used to seeing a whole golf course full of players. So um, but that wasn't what this does. And that's what the Tiger Phil thing this weekend will also be that in that way. You know, it's okay. It's good. It's good to see him back out. It's it's they're, we're getting the toes back in the water, and then in a few weeks' time, hopefully everything goes off and they're playing golf for real again. Well, and you know what I really enjoyed? I enjoyed the fact that we got to see four of the best players and one, well, one in particular up-and-coming future mm-hmm. uh, great player, Matthew Wolf. You know, shot by shot for four hours. You know, so many times people are complaining. We didn't get to see enough of this guy. Or how come they're not covering that guy? You know, during a typical tournament, you're almost getting, you know, the highlights, uh, you know, during during a tournament round. But this, to me, was just awesome to be able to watch these guys hit shot after shot and, you know, really to learn a lot about their golf swings. Um as I mentioned in another podcast, uh, a little tough to watch Matthew Wolf with that uh, distinctive golf swing, a uh, shot after shot. But you know, I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, Matthew Wolf is obviously the one who might not have as much um, star power, but he's already won a tournament. And, and what's interesting is he's won a tournament 
constantly than DJ and uh, and Ricky. That's right. <laughs> you know, and 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 yet he might not have been as well known to to the average guy or the you know the casual golf hour. But clearly, you had to sort of be intrigued by the way he swings the club and his you know his it's very very unusual um, you know the way he kind of. Uh, you know, sets at the beginning and then has that very, very odd swing that nobody would teach. Uh, but yeah, look at how far he hits it. And obviously, he's already won on tour. He was a great college golfer. Um, you know, he's way, way up in the world rankings already. So that was a great, like, chance for people to see this guy. And that was, you know, that's where these things, I think, have some value too. You get to see, you know, maybe somebody that's a little different that might, we might, might not have known as well. Obviously, the stars drive it, but, uh, you know, he has a chance to be a star, and I think it was pretty cool that they, um, that they uh, you know, that they included him, and, and I thought he did fine. You know, he was a little shaky at first. He admitted he was nervous, uh, but, you know, he, he, did, uh, he did pretty well, and, and I think, you know, they all showed a little bit of rust, but they all showed a lot of good stuff, too. Matthew Wolf, he's 21 years old little nervous against the likes of Rory and DJ and Ricky man I I you know and he was wearing those cool Nike shoes so I loved his <laughs> I loved his moxie you know he he was uh needling those guys he you know made that comment about DJ about hey is this a waste bunker and then turned around and you know gave a little uh, elbow to Rory and of course uh Rory Rory dished right back telling him hey buddy you know you you won two FedEx Cups. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's hard to keep that banter going for four hours, but that was a good little dig on DJ. And, uh, you know, as I wrote, kind of a reminder, wow, it's been 10 years since that happened. That Whistling Straight Tree, you know, he cost himself a shot in the playoff because he grounded his club in a bunker, which he thought was a waste area. Uh, so it was good. that was a good dig. I mean, Matthew Wolf was like, in grade school at that time <laughs> so and here he is you know he's basically a year removed he was playing college golf a year ago at this time and now he's on tour he's got a win uh and uh, he got included in something that was pretty cool they're professional golfers right not professional comedians although right. uh you have one on your staff a former uh stand-up comic by the name of michael collins maybe we need michael out there doing a little shtick <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there would be plenty of that if Mike were involved. So, uh, in, you know, in the end, uh, just a, a, a great finish. What did you think about the the uh, shootout hole? Well, you know, they were running out of time. And what they, they, if, there, if there had been a tie, they were supposed to go back and play 17 first uh, if it had been before 545. You know, just play it straight out. And, but they were past that, so it was just out of shootout. It's a little quirky, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, we didn't find out until later that they did actually measure. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that was okay, close to the pin. Um, you know, is, you know that's, that's an easy way to decide it. Obviously, we know it can't go on forever. And, uh, and, and, and given the fact that, you know, the money's going to charity, and both sides were doing quite well, I think it was fine to do that and and uh you know it's i think going forward you know it makes you wonder about some other about, about some other ways to 
to do things. They, I don't know how golf could really change other, you know, having a. It'd be hard to decide a tournament with them with a that way. But uh, you know, if if they're ever in a boat where hey, they say, look, we just cannot go to Monday. You know, we have to move on. We don't want to put any more people at risk or whatever. Maybe that's the alternative. Maybe that's what they have to do. You know, it'd be a weird way to settle a you know a tournament win and ranking points and money and everything. But you know, I think what we're finding is just like what we were talking about earlier. We we we're going to have to adapt to some things that are different. Absolutely. So there was some breaking news earlier this week. The U.S. Open scraps its qualifying. It's now an all-exempt field. Uh, ex- explain to the, our listeners, um, you know, that's really, that's a huge impact because so much of the U.S. Open is about amateurs, you know, uh, club professionals, Joe Golfer being able to give it a shot to qualify, to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted about this one myself, I have to admit. I mean, they announced on Monday that, that they are not going to have local and sectional qualifying for the U.S. Open. Actually, I believe they had already said local was gone. They were going to come up with a way to have sectional qualifiers, um, which there were scheduled to be 12, three of them out of the country, though, Canada, um, England, and Japan. And, you know, there's, there's some diciness with that. You know, and they clearly, they, they, they send some of their people to some of these events. They're, they're typically run by local organizations, but like the ones overseas, they might have an actual USGA staffer on site. They said they wanted to do testing, and they found that that was just going to be problematic for so many people spread across the country like this. And so they made the very, very tough decision to go without it, which, which means the U.S. Open is really not open. Right. You know, I mean, if you, if you dig right down to it, it's it's going to be an invitational, or it's going to be a it's going to be a tournament that that you know it's 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 an all exempt field, you know, and so you know there's some people that have some issues with that. I mean, I guess where I look at it is, is why couldn't you have the qualifiers without testing? Um, they they don't have spectators at them. They could strictly enforce say nobody else can come. You know, you would just have the, you know, the staffers that are there. You can socially distance from your opponent. Um, and, uh, you know, they maybe they could require that, you're, that you have a caddy that's from your family or something that, so that, that, so that uh, you know, that, so that that's not an issue. Because otherwise, I, I completely understand it. I mean, the idea that, oh, well, then they shouldn't even have the U.S. Open, I really think that's taken it too far. I mean... We're all sitting here having to deal with things that aren't going to be normal. You know, the way people are going to, you know, the, you know, the master's field was closed now. You know, you could argue, well, why can't they figure out a way to just make it so that we could still do it up until then? Well, they fig- they decided not to, and we just have to live with it. It's just how it is. It's one-off. It's, it should be a one-year thing. The same for the U.S. Open. It's not ideal. But I, to, to, to cancel it over it, I think would, you know, I think that's taking it too far. And it sounds like they worked really, really hard on trying to figure out a way to do it. And they just, they couldn't come, you know, they couldn't figure it out. And they were also having to do this for, you know, the the U.S. Women's Open and the the Men's Am and the Women's Am. And so they just decided, you know, we're going to play those four events without without it. And uh, that's hard. 
really hard. But I just think, wouldn't, would we, wouldn't we rather have it um, than not? I, I mean, I just, I, that, that's where I kind of fall. I think I'd rather have it. And then I'm going to question why they couldn't do the qualifying uh, without testing. But if they decided it was just too much to take on, I, I can live with it. I think it's okay. I just think, I think we have to cut people some slack you know, under these circumstances. They're just so, so extraordinary that you just don't know. Yes, what, and it, what everybody's having to deal with, you know. And another thing uh, people might not know, that the USGA headquarters is in New Jersey, the second most hard-hit state during the pandemic so far. So, you know, from right. a logistics right. perspective, very very challenging just in terms of, you know, getting getting people, uh, you know, to do, to do the jobs they need to do being uh, sequestered at home. Exactly. You know, those guys have had it rough. They they still have uh, some of the strictest orders in place in, in New Jersey. So, um, you know, uh, I think we just have to kind of keep all this stuff in mind. You know, it's tough. It's a hard, hard situation that we're looking at here. And, and you know, we're not out of it yet. You know, we're, we still got a, lot, a long way to go. And, uh, and obviously things have gotten better and places are opening and we're, and we're stepping out a little bit. But you still got to be careful, and um, you know mass gatherings are still difficult to pull off, and so um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I feel for them. I think it's hard. I, I, I have a hard time criticizing them, uh, you know, when you look at the big picture. The memorial has been rescheduled from early June to July 16th through 19th in Dublin, Ohio. And um, the tournament committee, along with, of course, uh, the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas himself, who's the host of the tournament, have appealed to the governor of Ohio to lift the ban on large gatherings so that they would be able to have spectators. Interesting part of this, they're planning for that currently, and this would include badges that monitor the movements of fans so as to be able to dispatch tournament personnel in case they notice they're not distancing enough? Hmm. Yeah, they, they, um, they would have a chip on their badge, and it would tell if people, it, would, it would give them an indication if people were too many people congregating in one place. And so they could, they could send somebody there to kind of break them up. And, um, uh, you know, look, you know, people are going to have a problem with that too, but, but, uh, they better, re they better restrict the beer sales, Bob. It, well, they are. In fact, one of the other things I didn't include in my story is they, they aren't going to sell, they are going to sell alcohol like in cups. They're going to only sell it in cans. I mean, think of all these things you have to think through so that you don't, so that people don't touch things or what have you. Um, and, you know, uh, it's interesting that they went to that length to write the letter because we're just all assuming that these things are going to be listed so that these events can do this. Um, you know, uh, but obviously they, that, that would have to be waived. At least in their case, it would have to be waived. <clears throat> and, you know, like in the case of the LPG event, you know, the guy said, we just can't do it without spectators. We, they'll have to call their event off. They just, they're going to lose too much money. It looks like the memorial will go on without but um, uh, it's um, uh, uh, the challenge. For it's, 
Yeah, it's a challenge. And, and look, I give them credit for trying. I mean, this is plenty of advance. This is, this is two months out, basically, for the memorial. You know, they've got time to figure this out. They're the first one in Ohio. So if they can figure out a way to allow 10,000, 15,000 people, I don't see how you could do more than that. And you have a system whereby they're spaced out. They're not going to have grandstands. You know, they're not going to have corporate hospitality stuff. Um, but you've got you've got to figure things out. Like, what about restrooms? You know, I mean, typically at golf tournaments, there's a line to go in them, right? You can't have that. Um, so you got a lot a lot of things to, to sort through. And you know, I, I guess you know the leadership has to look at it too. Well, like if we give them a waiver, why don't we give one to a concert? Um, and um, you know, so uh, uh, it's 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 tough. But I mean, I. Uh, I, I understand what they're doing, and it makes sense to get out in front of it. You know, those other events have a little bit more time, and they, you know, they want to put it in front of them and say, "Hey, look, how can we make this happen?" Absolutely. Well, we've got another big event coming up Sunday: the match, Champions for Charity. It's Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and. Speaking of commentators, Justin Thomas and Charles Barkley. So Charles going to be doing the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hey, it's, it should be fun. Talk about it's, new it's, normal. <laughs> right. It'll be fun. It'll be fun having him involved. And I think that event has a chance to be even a little bit better because of the unknown. Right. Um, you know, the, the quarterbacks are going to hit some, some stray shots. It's just inevitable. They might be really, really good players, but even really, really good players who aren't used to playing under that scrutiny, um, you know, they're not flawless when they play around the golf. And, uh, and so, you know, Tiger and Phil might have, might have to overcome some difficulties with their partners. And then they're going to have this, you know, this modified alternate shot on the back nine, which I think is a really cool format. You know, you both hit a drive and you pick the best one. And both, you know, the the, uh, the amateurs are going to be teeing off in front, so they have a chance to hit a good drive and have their pro partner hit the approach. And then you alternate from there. Uh, so, you know, I think I think that's going to be cool. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chance to, you know, a lot of us, it's a chance to see Tiger for the first time since February. You know, when he walked away from Riviera, he was hurt, and then he skipped a bunch of events. And, we, you know, it'll be, you know what, it's going to be more than three months since we last saw him hit a shot. So um, I think, you know, there's a lot of interest in that, too. And maybe, you know, I doubt he'll tell us, but obviously there's some intrigue as to when he'll play his first event. Yeah, and uh, a lot of speculation uh, by and amongst your colleagues at ESPN on uh, – what that schedule is going to look like. But mm, I'll be tuned in. I can't wait. And uh, Bob, as always, appreciate your time. And um, who's who's your over-under on this one? Well, I'm, I, I sort of, I did this little thing for ESPN, and I was, it was tongue-in-cheek. But I don't know if you saw the news where Brady uh, is, was practicing football with his teammates in Tampa. Uh and uh, the newspaper got some photos of, of him at a local high school with, with like six or seven guys, and they were, they were in pads and helmets. 
and you know, like he had a center and a couple of offensive linemen and some receivers, and they were running some routes. So I'm taking that to mean he's not working on his golf, so that means they're at a disadvantage. So I'm putting, I'm going with Tiger and Manning. I love because, it. I uh, love it. Brady, Brady's, Brady's focused on football, not golf. That's right, and you're right in the backyard there. So uh, no doubt you've been. Uh... <laughs> You've been snooping around, and as always, we appreciate it. Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. Thank you so much, and stay well. You as well. Thanks so much.